Hey, buddy, what's up, dude? Hey, so, um, real quick before we start the show, I did want to quickly mention that we are going to be moving to a new schedule for the show. And so rather than upload it, or rather than trying to upload every other week, we're going to record when, not only when there's material, because we don't want to like kind of try to find stuff to fit into the show. We kind of want to just cover stuff that's really important that we think needs to be talked about. But we also want to give a lot more time to do research and to try to figure out what kind of take we're going to do on those topics. And then, so between that and also, real quick, to let everyone know, we have finally decided what we're doing for the censored version of the show. We are going to be uploading it to uh, YouTube.com under a separate account, and we're going to call it the family-friendly edition of the show. So it'll be standard soapbox, family-friendly edition. So when I go on my tangents and I say, fuck this, fuck that, fuck you, it'll be like, yeah, or whatever censoring sound we decide to ultimately go with. Okay, any anything else you want to tell the, the audience before we get into this? Are you ready to get into episode three? I'm not sure. <laughs> and I'm not asking you. I don't care if you're ready. I'm asking our audience, are you ready? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Because if you're not, we're going to do it anyway, so. Yep, ready, set, go. So our first topic today is the Stephen Miller press conference that occurred on August 2nd of 2017 for those watching years from now. So basically what this press conference was about was they were proposing an immigration reform and in particular it was around green card policy, which honestly, like you'll hear progressives all the time saying rather than focusing on illegal immigration, we should be focusing on reforming green card law because like that that's one of the major areas with immigration, right? Like that's more of a problem than illegal immigration. And so it is good to see the White House addressing this first and foremost and on its own. And as Stephen Miller says in the press conference, if they did this whole thing as part of a comprehensive reform, then we would be busy discussing other aspects of it and we wouldn't get around to actually having a discussion or a conversation about the green card policy aspect of what should eventually result in complete reform of the system. Real quick, though, there was the CNN reporter. Uh, what's his name? Let's see. Jim Acosta. He's the one that made that fucked up comment about the uh, Statue of Liberty. Oh, yeah. So he made the Statue of Liberty comment. Okay. Yeah, no, that that comment was really stupid because he basically starts off quoting some like poem or something, which... When it comes to actually addressing law and the legal system, I don't think we should be consulting poetry in regards to that, right? Like, I think we should be discussing, we can discuss historical factors, we can discuss how we handle things in the past, we can discuss how the founding fathers felt about something. But I don't think we should be addressing a poem about the Statue of Liberty in how we handle green card policy. Like, that was, it was just a really dumb, like, out of the blue comment that was made. It didn't add anything to the discussion. And so many people criticized Stephen Miller for addressing this comment. It's like, no, he addressed this comment because it was brought up and it was a really stupid, weird comment out of nowhere. So there was that. And then there was the other reporter who uh, said that this policy was uh, racist, which was a fucking weird comment to make as well. But 
a different kind of weird because there's nothing about this policy that's racist. Since when is illegal immigration racist? They are not born here. They are not citizens. And if we went to their country of residence, like, say, Mexico, Great Britain, whatever, we need fucking passports to enter their country. Mm -hmm. If we tried to enter their freaking country without a passport, we will be arrested in, in a lot of other countries. We would be considered felons in their system. Why aren't we doing the same damn thing? It's not racist. It's the law. But that said, this, it's also worth noting that this isn't even, we're not even talking about like illegal immigration. We're talking like green card reform. Like what aspect of that is racist? He's simply exactly. advocating for reforming the green card system, which I, again, think needs to be reformed. And from what I've heard from this briefing, I am in favor of the policy that he's proposing. I might do some research later and find out, oh, you know what, there's like this little detail that blows the whole thing apart and like makes it just completely unworkable. But it's like what he's laid out in this, uh, in this press briefing, I find to be totally reasonable and totally acceptable. And I really hate it when the topic of immigration comes up and the person who wants to limit immigration is referred to as a racist because there's nothing racist about it. There's nothing racial about it. And no point did Stephen Miller say anything about how we need to keep out the darkies. He he's said nothing about race. And on top of that, the very little that he said about the English language is purely around the fact that like it's difficult when people who are coming to your country don't speak the native language. Like there's a lot of very valid reasons that have nothing to do with race that one might want somebody to know English before coming here. So, but yeah, I, I just, I find that like phenomenally retarded when people resort to just shouting about, oh, so-and-so's racist and like assuming their intentions and assuming their motives when again, legitimately all he's doing is saying like, look, if we allow unfettered immigration to this country, it's going to negatively impact the people that you're wanting to help. Okay, so uh, now that we just got done with the first topic, now we're on to the Google Manifesto. So real quick to explain to both the audience and to uh, you, because I don't think you've heard too much about this. Essentially, what the Google Manifesto is, there was an engineer at Google who had kind of gotten like fed up with the situation at Google regarding and what he calls in the manifesto Google's ideological echo chamber. Now, I want to preface this with a few things. First and foremost, writing this manifesto got this engineer, James Damore, fired from his job. Secondly, yeah, it's kind of fucked up. Yeah, it's fucked up as fuck. And secondly, he released this internally initially. The only reason the public is even aware of this manifesto is because employees at Google Yeah, well, so employees at Google made such a big deal about it that Gizmodo looked into it and they were able to acquire the um the full transcript of the manifesto. They were able to find it and then they posted it to their site. And so we will leave a link to the original Gizmodo article where they released this. And mm -hmm. I'm not usually impressed with Gizmodo, but I'll give them a, I'll give them a thumbs up on this. Because the article itself actually seems pretty fair reporting of the incident. They don't have any like super clear bias, which again, for something linked to Kotaku and Jezebel, 
is like a huge, uh, hugely unexpected thing. Because, oh boy, <laughs> those, those sites are usually pretty terrible. But this this is good reporting. I wholeheartedly approve of this. And the writer of this article, uh, Kate Conger, I apologize if I'm butchering your last name at all. Good reporting. Good job. Um, so, but basically, those were kind of the two things that I wanted to jump out in front of this with. Because it's important to note that it's not like he publicly came out and said, oh, well, here is my problem with Google and like aired the dirty laundry just out in the public because I can understand why Google would fire somebody for doing that. Um, mm -hmm. I also think it's important to note that they fired him for having the wrong opinion and expressing it. So that is extremely dangerous, especially for a company as big, massive, and important as Google. This is mm -hmm. huge. So to get into the weeds a little bit, he initially writes this uh, this manifesto, and he posts it. And I've told you the title, Google's Ideological Echo Chamber. And in the article that kind of exposes this, or not exposes, but... um details the manifesto in its entirety they have a nice little tldr section here and i'll read off that real quick basically he starts off google's political bias has equated freedom from offense with psychological safety but shaming into silence is the antithesis of psychological safety i like this initial note because i've long had this like conception and at some point i'll write something on this about uh, toxic sterilization, the idea that you can make an environment so sterilized that it becomes toxic to the people that have to live in it. Look at any kind of corporate culture and you'll find this where you can't say something as, oh, it might offend somebody and you get fired for that. And so it feels right. terrible working at those places because there's people who get professionally offended and will get you fired for doing literally anything. So yep. again, at, at some point, I really want to go in depth on this, but for the sake of brevity here, the second point, or the silencing has created an ideological echo chamber where some ideas are, are too sacred to be honestly discussed. The next point, the lack of discussion fosters the most extreme and authoritarian elements of this ideology. Ex and then the next point, extreme colon, all disparities in representation are due to oppression. Authoritarian colon, we should discriminate to correct this oppression. Uh, differences in distributions of traits between men and women may in part explain why we don't have 50% representation of women in tech and leadership. Discrimination to reach equal representation is unfair, divisive, and bad for business. So that TLDR, from what I've read of the article, or from what I've read of the, uh, the, the manifesto, is representative of the manifesto and... Again, I, I, I think it's a really good read, and so I will be linking to the Gizmodo article that broke this manifesto. In the article, he mentions Google's biases, and he talks about how, um, and th this is a quote from the article, which is, I think, possibly a quote from the manifesto, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh, at Google, we talk so much about unconscious bias as it applies to race and gender, but we rarely discuss our moral biases. Political orientation is actually the result of deep moral preferences and thus biases. Considering that the overwhelming majority of the social sciences, media, and Google lean left, we should critically examine these prejudices. He then mentions left biases, compassion for the weak, disparities are due to injustices, humans are inherently cooperative, change is good, parentheses unstable, and open and idealist. Right? Mm -hmm. 
biases, respect for strong slash authority, uh, disparities are natural and just, humans are inherently competitive, change is dangerous, parentheses, stable, closed, pragmatic. And I think this is probably a pretty good uh, explanation of our conceptions of the kind of left-right divide, and I think this is a good explanation of the various biases that these two sides operate under, because somebody who's right-leaning does seem to take a lot of these as kind of presumptions, whereas somebody from the left seems to take these left biases as presumptions. So I, I think that analysis of this is completely accurate, and I, I can't fault it at all for inaccuracy in any way. There's also an aspect of this where he basically goes through and he explains the uh, the possible non-biased causes of the gender gap in tech. And essentially, he's trying to explain why there are less women in tech. And he basically chalks this up partially to biological differences between men and women. And these biological differences ranging from personality differences to differences in physiology, though in regards to tech, it's primarily the kind of mental differences. And so the things that he cites are women on average have more openness. He explains that openness towards feelings and aesthetics rather than ideas. Women generally also have stronger interest in people rather than things. And he also mentions that men on average have a higher drive for status, and this drive for status uh, may fuel part of why they push for better pay in pay negotiations. Basically, though, he's just going through and explaining why it is that we see a difference between the amount of women and men in tech. And I think his explanation is perfectly serviceable. I don't think he says anything in this that is blatantly sexist, and I think it is important to recognize where he's coming from. He is coming from this perspective of, okay, well, I can see that we have a discrepancy between the amount of women and men in tech. But these differences aren't because there's some, like, mystical patriarchy, you know, trying to oppress women. And it's not due to any kind of, like, other weird factors like that. Instead, it is down to things like, oh, well men and women are just a little bit different. So you will expect a difference in the amount of women, men and women in tech. So any thoughts about that? I just think that women aren't in tech because it's a field that may or may not necessarily interest them. Yeah, well, and, and some of this is like socialized differences because obviously men and women are socialized differently. At, like when you're born you're associated with a gender and then you're raised as that gender. And so mm -hmm. there are aspects of that that are socially uh, kind of pressured or socially pushed. Then you have aspects of it that are biological. Men and women do have biological differences, despite what some crazy weird professor would say. Men and women do have biological differences. So I'm going to link to, again, the Gizmodo uh, article because I think it's really good at kind of just describing this. And then I will also link to a piece that Philip DeFranco did on this because I think he parses through it really well. So between those two, I think if you want to learn more about it, read those sources. Otherwise, uh, just uh, keep listening and we will uh, be right back. Okay, so the next thing that I wanted to talk about, and I'm sure you're slightly less excited to talk about this than I am because you have no idea what's going on here, but I'm going to be starting up a new segment. Uh, it'll be called uh, Internet Drama Corner, and basically we're going to talk internet drama for a few minutes. 
Yeah, you lovely interwebs always full of drama. You fucking drama queens. Yeah. Well, and so the drama that we are uh, witness to today is funny enough. Again, due to uh, Total Biscuit. We mentioned him in the uh, last episode, and I do want to get out in front and say that while I disagree with Total Biscuit's decision in in the last uh, episode, I do think it's important to note that I think his head's in the right place. I just think that sometimes he advocates for stupid stuff or he says stupid stuff. And again, with the last episode, because he was the he was the one that went on the whole tirade about the transphobic question, and I think it was an immensely stupid thing of him to do, but I understand why he did it, because he seems to be kind of very protective about trans people, and I think that's because he has a lot of friends that are trans, and so he's naturally very concerned about their well-being, and he's very concerned about transphobia for that reason. So, But that said, fortunately I have good news to report today. So this was uh, a while ago. I'm trying to see. He, he tweets this on the, the 16th of August, and I freaking love this. I have been waiting for somebody to say this, and then there's like a whole bunch extra that I will say about this after, but he, he starts off this tweet. All right, Anita, I've been ignoring you for three years, and your fade into obscurity is delayed by me acknowledging your existence, but you're a hack, and I'm so appreciative of him tweeting this out. And then he continues, uh, anyone who tells people not to read anti-harassment article with advice on how to combat harassment is not anti-harassment. And so to give some context here, do you know who Anita Sarkeesian is at all? Yeah, she's some stupid bitch who is like ultra-feminist and I swear yeah. to God she hates men. Yeah, no. Well, so the thing with Anita Sarkeesian is that it's it's a very she's a very interesting character. And I despise her in every possible way, but she was one of the central figures of the Gamergate controversy. And she was one of the central figures because she was very anti-Gamergate, and she received a lot of quote-unquote harassment from Gamergate. And I say quote-unquote harassment, she received legitimate harassment, but it wasn't necessarily from Gamergate. It was just from like third-party trolls. And I also say quote-unquote harassment because she also considers criticism to be harassment, which is retarded. So she also was recently uh, in a lot of trouble funny enough, for some additional internet drama because of the whole... There was a thing that I'm not going to get into explaining right now, but there was something with uh, Sargon of Akkad where she calls him a garbage human at a panel of hers that he had attended and sat was sitting like quietly, didn't, didn't do anything, didn't ask any questions or anything, wasn't addressing her at all. She just like calls him out and calls him a garbage human for sitting and listening to her. So that was a shit show. Dude, if we get into like all the drama <sighs> that this Anita Sarkeesian bitch is fucking done, we'll be here all damn day. Yeah, it it really she is just not a good person. And again, like I'll rant about her in a minute here. But uh, he continues, she, along with her allies, have poisoned reasonable discourse for years on the topic of representation in games. Feminist frequency supports harassment. So come at me. You stand shoulder to shoulder with 4chan trolls and bigots and attacking the loud, sane voices in the room. You cannot win. And then he kind of ends this with, when you and your cronies attacked a transgender journalist for trying to combat harassment, you revealed you are only in it for yourself. And it's important to note that what he's referencing here is he is featured in an article about how to combat harassment. It was a very innocuous article, and I guess Feminist Frequency, or Anita Sarkeesian, took umbrage with the article. I want to take this opportunity to say, 
Bacchanita Sarkeesian. She is the worst. I, I have yet to see somebody that I dislike more than her because she complains about being harassed when she is the worst harasser of them all. Honest to God, she is just painful to watch. Watching any video with her, she sounds like she's reading a script. She has no motion, no uh, no personality. And I, I have a feeling this is because she's so indoctrinated with feminism that she really just doesn't have a personality anymore. Probably all been drained from her over the years. So I at least she's not faking it, I guess. But at the same time, it's just like she has no personality. She comes across so boring in her videos. Like, I can forgive something that's stupid and that I disagree with if it's at least presented interestingly and in a way that, like, makes it easy to watch. But it's just painful to watch her and her... And the things that she criticizes are really stupid. Like, uh, there was a video of hers where she spends the whole video just trying to look at men's butts in video games. Yeah. Because she has this, like, well, whole conspiracy... do that in real life? Yeah, no. Because she has this whole conspiracy about how video game developers are explicitly trying to, like, hide the butts of men in video games. It, it's really nonsensical, and she's really stupid. So, again, like, the reason that I wanted to bring this up, this whole topic, is just to say, fuck Anita Sarkeesian. And thank you, Total Biscuit, for addressing her. Okay, so the last topic that we're going to be covering tonight is the Charlottesville protests and how they're very different from the Boston Free Speech Rally. So real quick, for anybody who uh, is not aware of the very basics, the Charlottesville protests were the ones where you had the Nazis and the white supremacists holding tiki torches and walking around chanting stuff like blood and soil and uh, they will not replace us and... They were saying stuff like Hail Victory, which is the English translation of the German phrase Sieg Heil. So, yep. yeah, so the Charlottesville protests, genuine Nazis, not good. And if you want to read up about the Charlottesville protests, I have linked a video by Philip DeFranco down below where he covers it in pretty good detail. I think he does a very good job dissecting this one. And then, then you have the Boston Free Speech Rally, which really was a free speech rally. There was only, like, one white supremacist that people were really able to find there. There was the one dude walking around with a 14-word shirt, which, uh, for those of you who don't know what the 14 words are, they are a white supremacist phrase that I'm not going to uh, read because reading those 14 words is uh, considered to be a declaration of allegiance with them. <laughs> so, yeah, we're not going to yeah. recite those fucking things on this yeah. podcast. It was the only real incident of white supremacy that you found at this rally. Instead, what you found were people who were on the right. You found people on the left. You even found some like regressive left there. Like there was a Black Lives Matter presence there. So you really, it was like a free speech rally. And it had people from all kinds of different sides. And then you had the media sitting and being like, oh, well, like this is a one other white supremacist gathering. This is Charlottesville 2.0. And it's like, that's not at all what this was. This really was a free speech rally. And I think it's really dumb when people try to equate something that's like free speech with Nazis, because they're different. Now, Nazis use free speech as a kind of survival method, but like free speech is important not because it helps them, but specifically because it kind of hurts their cause ultimately. Because the thing with a white supremacist is that they will be for freedom of speech until they have power and then suddenly they're opposed to it. Whereas if you advocate for freedom of speech always and you treat every platform equally, then what you will find is that the white supremacists lose ground. 
every time. And it was really interesting in the wake of the Charlottesville protests and the Boston Free Speech Rally, you had the regressive left media going apeshit over about how you have all this white supremacy and about how you have all these different problems and about how we need to start being meaner towards white people for being white. Like you had some pretty like genuinely racist comments coming from lefties after the Charlottesville protests. And to be fair, I can understand it as like a visceral reaction to seeing like white supremacists running through the streets. But you have to understand that by making those comments, you're pushing more people to the white supremacists and the alt-right. And it was really interesting seeing a speech by um, a few of these people and like a discussion that these people have had because they will say that nothing helps their cause more than the alt-left. Because honestly, if anything's making white supremacy more relevant in this country, it is the alt-left. It is the social justice warriors. It is the, uh, the neoliberals. It is the progressives. All of those people fit into this nice little alt-left box and those people are exactly responsible for the rise of the alt-right. So, mm -hmm. honestly, this was probably the best thing Trump's ever said. I have yet to hear something more accurately descriptive of this particular group as the term alt-left. I think that was a perfectly engineered term to describe these people. And I think it's also pretty funny, be between that and him wheeling the term fake news around on them, he really does seem to be like a master of, not necessarily English, but a master of like appropriating things and using them to his advantage because honest to god like the fact the fact that he's basically just taking the associations that we have with all right and saying like oh it's like this but on the left perfect i could not have thought of anything better than that that is perfectly descriptive of these people and between that and then wheeling fake news around it it shows that he's pretty good about taking the weapons they're starting to try to wield and then just wheeling it back around on them so i think that between that and then there is also um, a few other kind of points that I wanted to make about the Charlottesville protests. Um, real quick, though, I, I wanted to give you a little bit of room in here and uh, ask you uh, what you thought of um, the Charlottesville protests and if you had heard anything about the Boston Free Speech Rally. So my take on the Charlottesville protests or whatever the hell you want to call it, it's not okay. Racism in any shape or form, whether it's white supremacists, uh, Black Lives Matter, any of them that are slinging any sort of racist towards black, whites, Asians, Muslims, whatever. Any rate, racism is not fine. It's, to me, I'm going to say it's the Achilles heel to humanity. Mm -hmm. It's something that weakens us as a whole. It's something that drags us down, doesn't make us better makes us look like a bunch of ignorant freaking creatures because i mean sorry i'm not gonna call you humans when you act like a bigot and a stupid fuck like that i mean mm -hmm. okay so you don't like a certain group of people you don't like a certain people skin color so what get the fuck over it i read a thing on facebook i wish i could find it which i was searching for it but somebody posted something about the 10 things we learned from the hurricane harvey fiasco and some of it is like you know cajuns and texans can mobilize quicker than the united states army and stuff like that and you know stuff like that i really don't care about um they said that basically white lives matter black lives matter hispanic lives matter whatever even animal lives matter because they're getting their boats in the floodwaters they're saving people they're saving humans and people that are trapped in their houses and i've seen videos of dogs getting you know rescued on top of cars and you know they don't care 
They don't care if it's a dog. They don't care if it's an animal. They don't care if it's an African-American. They don't care if it's a white person, a Latino-American. They really don't care. They're just trying to save these individuals. They're not seeing skin color. They're not caring. And if those people in Houston, which is a city in the South, and don't tell me they ain't segregated because I know that South and South area, that's where racism is bred. So the fact that they can do it, I think everybody else can take an example from that and learn from it and work it into their daily lives. Racism is not okay. Racism is bullshit. Racism needs to die. Well, and, and I think the most interesting aspect of dealing with or talking about racism is that ultimately the most offensive aspect to me about it is that it's completely unscientific. There's no basis in reality for discriminating against people because of the color of their skin. There's no actual like good reason for you to do that because honestly, the difference really is skin deep. There's very little like real genuine difference between blacks, whites, Asians, etc. And so it and it endlessly saddens me that we keep needing to address and talk about these kinds of events. And I mean it from both sides. We have all just found ourselves on this rock floating through space, and we need to just learn to get along. 